Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, June 14th. That means it's time for another episode of the Power Hour. I've got the team from Pittsburgh Power with me, Bruce and Pete and Leroy. We'll uh, hear from them. Then we will get to your calls and questions. We're going to open the phone lines. In fact, we just did. Calls are starting to come in already. Let's go ahead and get them in early. Yesterday, I spent the first half hour trying to get calls, and then I spent the second half hour trying to get through all the calls that came in, and then right at the end of the show, uh, I got flooded with them, and I couldn't get to them all. So get your calls in early today. The phones will get busy, 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all about maintenance, we will talk about it. So pick up the phone and join us. Uh, Later today, I believe uh, 12.30 Eastern Time, 9.30 here on the West Coast, I'll be doing an episode of The Pit. I know John Hewlett's with me. I haven't heard from Stan yet, so we'll see uh, on that. So stay tuned for that as well. Uh, I have some things I wanted to talk about, but I think I'm going to bring the team from Pittsburgh Power in, and we'll uh, get started together. All right, welcome, guys. Who's up first today? Bruce. Bruce. All right. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Turn your mind. As you see, I've sent you some pictures. I did, and you know... I, I looked at that picture and I looked at the picture and I blew it up and I looked at it and there were four different angles. And honestly, I had no idea what I was looking at. But I want to start out with some good news first. Okay. Ever since I met you and you were the 58 mile an hour guy, every time I see 58 on the odometer, I think of Kevin Rutherford. So that's the Kevin Rutherford speed. And if I'm really early, I slow down to 58 mile an hour and I just sit back and relax and I drive at Kevin's speed is what I call it. And here's a fella, Larry Brown. And he has a 2019 T680. He bought it used. It has a 241 gear and a 12 speed auto. 11th gears direct. He drives at 58 miles an hour. Now listen to where he drives. Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and Michigan. So he stays out of the mountains. Right. And he's at 1,280 RPM at 58. And the X-15 with our tune in it. And I think he's got the manifold and turbo. And runs the max mileage fuel-borne catalyst. 9.05. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that, especially out of an X-15. That's awesome. So it's all possible. So uh, I know a lot of people leave, at least they used to leave in Pittsburgh and go to Chicago or a load of steel, and you would see them leaving around here 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. If you can leave an hour or two early for your load and you're going to sit there all night, just try, just try it for a trip and do the 58, 60 mile an hour. And if the boost stays low at that speed and just see what it gives you for fuel mileage, just so you have that comparison. Yeah. Now on to that. Hey, hey Bruce, before, we get, before we get to that 
filter, let me put that number in perspective, especially with today's fuel price. Um, the difference, we know we still have trucks getting five miles to the gallon on the road, even just pulling general freight. They're out there. We see them. Uh, so they exist. Six is still pretty common. Here's a truck getting nine. And he's done some modifications, but not a ton. Good specs. He's driving it well. Um, the difference in fuel cost between those two trucks, here's, here's a way to put it in perspective. The difference in fuel cost between those two trucks is more than the average American makes working an entire year. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Yeah. And this is low pro 22.5 tires. And, uh, but, you know, he's in an area where he can do that. And that, that's working for him. And he, he found a used company truck with a 241 gear, which is pretty good. Hard to find, but he found it, and it's certainly paying off for him. Excellent. And yet he has 12th gear in case he needs to drive 70. Yeah, yep. And would still get reasonably good fuel economy. You know, he might drop down into the sevens more than likely, you know, mid to high sevens <laughs> if he tried running 70. But that, that's still better than a lot of trucks on the road, and he only does it when he has to. Or he should only do it when mm -hmm. he has to. Yeah. Right. Okay. So do you want to talk about the water filter or the turbine housing? Let's talk about the water filter first. Wait, I, I, okay. Before we even talk about this water filter, I'm wondering why a modern diesel engine has a water filter. Are there any other new engines that have water filters? I don't know. Does the X-15 have water filter paint? I think so. Uh, because it, it's a different part number of filter than what they ran on the old NTCs N14. So I, I'm going to say yes. Hey. And I think why they have it would be with the castings in, in the block. You're going to have some debris there. I think more so, than anything. So what, are they still putting the DCA additive into the water filter? Mm -hmm. Okay. So well, wait, you can get them blank filters for DCA. What? Why are they putting... <laughs> The uh, additive in the filter, aren't they running long-life coolant? Well, right. It, so they offer both filters depending on what coolant you're running. Okay. So most people with the newer trucks are running the um, the pre-mixed uh, red amper. So it's just a blank filter you put on there. Yeah, because that's long-life coolant. The additives last, I think, like 600,000 miles. So here's what I'm wondering. I mean, if we go way back when I first started, virtually every truck on the road had a water filter, used the green coolant, you, you changed the filter. And for the most part, I just always assumed the filter was more for the additive than anything. This is a closed system. Um, it doesn't seem like we get a bunch of dirt and debris that needs filtered out. And then all of a sudden, I started seeing a lot of trucks without water filters. So if you were to say the trucks that come through the shop there, what percentage do you, would you say have water filters? Any year of truck, I don't, I don't care. How many trucks that you guys see have water filters? Well, all the DD platforms would have them. Of course, we're seeing a lot of those. And like I said, the older trucks had them. Right. And like you said, there was a time frame where we kind of went away with them. And they're putting them back on the ISXs and D13s huh. have coolant filters too. Yeah, DD13s as well as the 15. DD13. Oh, D13. D13. So, well, I wonder why. 
I wonder why we're bringing them back. So we had an issue on the Dodge pickups back in, I would say, later 90s that the thermostat would stick open. Change it, it was good for a while, stick open again. And what it was from was the, um, the block, some of the casting uh, pieces or, you know, the finer stuff was coming off and messing up the, the um, thermostat. So what we would do on the Dodge is you just flush the system real good and you, you're usually okay. So my guess is, is for something like that, some casting material. Huh. That just seems weird. And then it's going to, I, why do we even give people the option of a filter for those for the old coolant? None of the manufacturers recommend running that coolant in those engines. Well, I don't know. So that is a canister filter or cartridge. I don't think you can get DCA, DCA in it. It would simply be the, the spin-on. Okay. Okay. So they we are... So when you pull one of these filters out, does it look like it needs to be changed? This one did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not a mechanic, but... You know. Now, the, to pull this filter out, you have to drain some of the coolant out of the radiator. This isn't a spin-on filter. This is a cartridge, and it's below the top of the rad. So why did they do that? Why did Detroit engineer that? That's what I'm wondering. Maybe those German engineers decided they didn't want you to change it, or they wanted you to drain colon out and put fresh colon in. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think well. the other reason for a filter is to try to extend the life, you know, I think that's the other reason. Yeah, it just seems odd that we had them for years and the biggest purpose of it back then really, what I just never knew what it was filtering in a closed system. And, it, you know, we used it to recharge the additives. And once we went to a long life coolant, those filters and additives all seemed to go away. And now we have them back again. Just seems odd. Hmm. Well, Maybe somebody from corporate Detroit will be listening. Yeah. And they can call in. And... Yeah. I, okay. I may do some digging and see if I can figure that out. I'm just curious. So now, what the hell happened to this water filter to make it look like this? <laughs> do you have it up so people can see it? Uh, no, I need to. Uh, I had a bunch going on this morning. If you guys talk for a while now, I'll get it up while we're talking. Okay. I'm going to. Jay is saying that uh, some of the DDs didn't have water filters. So, <laughs> so see, that's what I'm wondering. Why do some have some and some don't? Why did we used to have them when we brought them back? I just, uh, I'm sure, I would hope there's a good reason. But I guess I'd like to know what it is. Okay. I'll have an answer for next week. All right. All right. That turbine housing, did you put that up so people could see it? No, I'll get that up next. As long as if I stop talking, because when I talk, I can't type and do this <laughs> stuff. So I'm working on it right, working on it right now. This is from a 79-year-old owner-operator who's been driving a truck his whole life. He's really pissed off at us. Bought this turbo less than a year ago. No exhaust gas temperature gauge or pyrometer. And claims he doesn't need one. He knows how to drive a truck. And... He sent this turbo in for warranty, 
And as you people will be able to see, the center section of the turbine housing is distorted and burned. That's the first sign the truck's been running too hot. He has an air filtration problem because turbo should be anywhere from eight to 12 thousandths end play, and he has 25 thousandths end play. There's a thrust washer, and it's usually brass inside. Sometimes they're aluminum, and they're fed with oil. And think of a turbo or a compressor wheel. And the turbine housing is spinning the compressor wheel. It's like a vacuum cleaner, and it's trying to suck the air in through the air filters. And if your air filters are dirty or wet from driving through a heavy rainstorm, it will cause severe restriction in that compressor wheel is trying to get out of that compressor housing. It's like a propeller going through water, driving the boat forward. Well, that's what this compressor wheel is trying to do. So it puts a lot of strain on the thrust washer in the turbo, and it eventually wears. There's actually three ramps on that thrust washer, and it wears down those ramps. Uh, maybe uh, we'll make a video or post a, a picture of a thrust washer next time. It's really hard to see the ramps because they're really small. But when you wear those ramps down on that thrust washer, when I say washer, it's not a ball bearing or roller bearing. It is a, it's a brass or aluminum wear plate. You get excessive end play. And so I tried to explain to him that he has an air intake problem or he has a very wet air filter and he didn't want to hear it. Then the F-bomb started to fly and everything else and so we parted ways. Uh, he was very unhappy. But I can't, and Borg Warner will not warranty a turbo with these two problems. I can't comment because I was trying to post. So I know you're talking about a That's turbo, right. but uh, I, I don't know. Okay. So go ahead. We had, well, and I have one one other thing I want to talk about. A guy uh, um, somewhere had his, just had his big cam rebuilt, and I said, who did it? He saw a young fellow I know that rebuilds engines. I said, well, if he's young, he probably has never rebuilt a big cam. So what did he set the line of protrusion at? I don't know was the answer. I said, what did he set the timing at? I don't know. I said, whose injectors did he put in? He said, I don't know. I said, well, do you know anything about this rebuild? And he really didn't. And, but he knows it has a miss. And I had to teach him how to find that miss. The engine was hot. So it's back to, you get the bucket of water, you get two rags, and you Naturally, you have to tilt the hood, and you touch one and six, two and five, and three and four. Hey, hey, one Bruce. and six or six. Bruce, I, yes, I, I was listening to that just now. Better tell them what one and three and what they're actually touching. Okay, the cylinders on inline six. Number one is the one towards the front. Two, three, four, five, and six. This is on the exhaust manifold where the turbo is on the right side of the engine. So you get a, a bucket of water and you touch at the same time cylinders one and six with the rag, not your hand because the manifold's hot. 
and then you touch two and five and then three and four. Three and four stay get hotter because they have exhaust from one, two, and three, and then six, five, and four. So they have the other two cylinders coming past them, so they get hotter faster. So three and four will, will always be the hottest on the exhaust manifold, and then two and five and one and six are the coolest. And if the fan's running, one will be cooler than six because it has all that air coming past it. But you touch and you make you, you soak down the manifold with the rags and you keep touching. And if you just pull the hill and you pull in and you do this, it's going to be really hot. But if the truck's been idling, it'll still be hot enough to tell. And you keep touching and you watch how the water evaporates off the manifold. And if it evaporates slower off of number five than number two, then number five is your cylinder that has the miss. There was one other thing I wanted to say about that. I'll think about that. If the truck is cold, and let's say the miss is around 1,200 or 1,000 RPM, you have somebody, you start the truck, you have the hood already tilted, you have them hold the throttle at that 1,200 or wherever the miss is most noticeable, and then you touch, you take your index finger, and you touch the bottom of one and six, two and five, three and four cylinder and the one that is cold colder to the touch is the one that has the miss but you must compare three to four two to five and one to six and then if the manifold if you're still not sure and the manifold's getting hot and you can't touch it get the bucket of water with the two rags and start wetting it down watch the evaporation of the water don't forget the rag I did. You do that. <laughs> Unless you, you don't really want to really get the right hands. Yeah. Are you ready to come back, Kevin? Uh, not yet. So somebody okay. else can keep talking. I'm actually having a problem with one of these files, so uh, I'll get it. I'm just working on it. So somebody else go with what they've got today. And I have. I just want to say again, because I haven't been talking to too many people about torsional dampers on the front of the crankshaft. They are only good for a half a million miles. And at around a half a million or at 800,000 at the most, you should take your drive shaft off. Take it to a good drive shaft shop. You want to check for straightness and you want it balanced and you want it completely rebuilt. People say, oh, I just put new U-joints in a new carrier bearing. That is not the answer. The answer is to get it on the lathe and get the dial indicator on it to see if it's straight and then hit it with the balance machine. That's my opening. Got it. Who's next? Pete? Yeah, I can go next. How are you doing, Kevin? Good. What's on your mind this morning? I'll, I'll, I I'll let talk everybody about know real, real quick. I just got those pictures up on truckingtribe.com. So if you want to go see them, um, are, Bruce, are we coming back to talk about this filter? Only if we want to. Okay. Well, let, let's do it. What went wrong with this thing? Don't know. Oh. Why was it in? Anybody know what in the shop? 
it wasn't a water related oh, oh. issue. We had to take that part off. He thought he had oil in his radiator. Thought he had a bad oil cooler. And I think he was told by a Freightliner dealer he had a bad oil cooler. And he didn't. <laughs> yeah. So we don't know yet what caused this. Here's the other thing. Wouldn't this cause some sort of a symptom? Would, uh, how are we getting any radiator flow at all, any coolant flow with this filter looking like this? I can't answer that, but I'll, uh, when Pete and Nero are talking, I'm going to go back and talk to the mechanic that was working on it, okay. and I'll come back with more information. On the N14s, NTCs, Ks, those are all like a bypass. I mean, a very small amount right. went to it. That's what I Almost was wondering. Almost like a heater core. If this is a bypass. And I don't know if it's set up the same or not. I yeah. can't imagine that if in case that filter ever fails, that the whole system would get cool. So like you said, it would have to be a bypass. Maybe yeah, I thought otherwise. That makes more sense. Yeah, now I just yeah, wonder I we, uh, what caused this. I don't think we tracked that, that, that part down yet. And I don't think the coolant looked bad either. It wasn't like we drained the coolant and there was a bunch of huh. contaminants in it or the coolant looked bad. It, right. it looked like red coolant. There's no telltale signs of a, a problem. We'll see coolant looking really bad, and it's because you're mixing different coolants, right. Right. reds and greens and purples, and it just, they turn brown, and they look like garbage. Yeah. But that wasn't the case. That's what I thought happened to this one. Yeah, the coolant looked, when I, I saw it, it looked fine. So, hmm. that's yet another right. mystery. <laughs> so, that kind of leads into what I was going to talk about. Anyhow, was um, truck will go to, a guy will go to a shop. In this particular um, case, customer called up, has a DD-15, lost oil pressure, codes came on, shut the truck off, pulled over, checked the oil, it was fine. Went to start, it would crank, but it went fire. So he had to go to a, a shop, local shop, went in, told him the problem, need to make an appointment, and they said, oh, you just need a, a crate engine. And I said, well, what are they basing that on? Did they check codes? No. Did they drop the oil pan? No. I said, well, generally we would drop the oil pan. I mean, you got an hour's labor and yeah. not a big deal. He said it would, they were going to charge him eight hours to drop the pan and check the bearings. What? But you could roll a set of bearings in an eight hours. I was just going to say, that's probably more time than it takes to do the whole job. Yeah. So I said to him, what are they basing this on? And he said, they told him, oh, we got three or four out back with spun bearings. So that's probably what it is. What? Yeah, I love that one. And I had another customer with the code permissions, DD15, but relatively low miles, like under 400,000. Went to the shop to get his appointment. They said, oh, you need a one box. Didn't check codes, didn't do anything. Just said, oh, you need a one box and X amount of money. It was a lower mileage. We know the one boxes go bad. And if a guy comes in with some codes and he's got high mileage, we give him a warning. Hey, it might need a one box. Um, and, and this was a low mileage with no idling. So, I mean, 
Yeah, it could have been a one box, but more than likely it was not. Exactly. It, they just went through parts at it. You know yeah, that. I mean, but in that case, you talk about it sounded like they just want to just replace everything. That way, it can't have an issue. Yeah. Like we put new sensors, harness, and one box in DPS. We're good. We, we know we're good. That, that's one way to fix it. I guess mm-hmm. not really great for the customer, but you know. Hey, hey, Pete. I just how. Mm-hmm. How often do you guys just replace bearings in a truck because something went wrong with the bearings? Very seldom. I mean, bearings are generally done between rebuilds, with the exception of you know a customer getting fuel in the oil and a in oil, and you know it looks like it needs change because of that type of failure. Yeah, it, it's it's, it's they just almost it's, never go bad. Yeah, it's so rare anymore. Jumping to that conclusion without doing anything, just saying, well, it's bearings because we have four trucks out back with, I'd like to know why they have four trucks out back with bearing issues, spun bearings. That'd be interesting too, because that's pretty rare. But to assume that this one now has a bearing issue would be like me saying, I got a headache. Oh my God, I bet I have a brain tumor. Other people have brain tumors and they get headaches. Uh, That's a ridiculous way of looking at this. Speaking of WebMD, that's what they say. <laughs> yeah, and, and so I know Detroit had that issue with the um, O-ring for the pickup. But that was years ago. That, that's right. been long fixed. And it cranks over. So if, you know, that happened and he shut the truck off and it cooled down and then went crank because it locked up, then yeah, there's a good chance you're going to need an engine, but let's spend an hour and drop the pan. Yeah, you always look. I mean, it, you're going to know right away if you spun a bearing. You're not dropping each one before you find it. You, you're going to know right. right away. Even if you had four in a row, you still have to check five. Yeah. It might be something different. Yeah, that's We're crazy. a lot more of that. You guys just need to ask some questions when they, when they tell them, oh, you need this without looking into it. I'm going to tell you one goes with that. The... Um, Libra, I think I referred this guy over to you. It, it was a Volvo with a Volvo engine, and it had some sensors that kept going out. And the dealer, a Volvo dealer in Texas, told him the only way you can fix this is to delete it. Oh, boy. I, I, was, I was blown away at that one. Yeah, uh-huh. especially from a dealer. Yeah, from, from a dealer. And I didn't ask him what the dealer was because I didn't want to get that dealer into trouble. So... Uh, Leroy, do you remember that conversation? Yeah, I do. And what did you tell him? Um, well, it just, uh, it's just very common that somebody just brings something in. Nobody checks anything like you're saying. They either check it or they read the code and they don't understand what they're reading because it's a bunch of abbreviations or, you know, uh, lawyer speak and jargon and stuff. So you get, I don't know, I'm not saying all texts are bad, but if you get a bad tech that comes up there like, oh, like, it says DOC, it must need a sensor. Like, no, it says the DOC is face plugged, but then they keep throwing temp sensors at it. Or like, oh, well, the last truck I had in here, it needed a uh, DPF differential pressure sensor. That's probably what this one needs. And that's, yeah, that just happens all the time. So with that guy, with the Volvo, um, I was just like, well, what, what, what are the codes? And he doesn't know, the mechanic doesn't know. I was just like, well, we, we don't even we need to start step one before we kind of go from there. Right. So, you know, but, you know sensors last 400,000 plus my four to 600,000 miles. 
you don't need to replace them every 2000. There's not that many manufacturer defects. It's very rare. You know, I bring up the topic once in a while about, you know, troubleshooting and the skills involved. And these stories are cases of zero troubleshooting whatsoever. Let's just guess at what might be going on based on what we've seen before and then start throwing parts at it, which is just insane, especially today with shortage of parts, the cost of parts, labor going up. Uh, I actually have a book. I just started it yesterday, um, and I didn't get very far into it. It's not a big book, though. I'll probably finish it in the next day or two. It's called, and I didn't know that I'd find a book like this, but it looks like it's going to be really good. It's called How to Spot a Wolf in Siberia or How to Troubleshoot Anything. And the book teaches the, the basic skills of troubleshooting, not how to troubleshoot anything specific, just how to right. troubleshoot. And their, their first example of how to spot a wolf in Siberia is really pretty interesting, but it is a really good analogy for how you should be troubleshooting. So here's basically the, the framework of how to troubleshoot. You're in Siberia and you want to find a wolf one wolf. So you stand out in the middle somewhere and you listen for the howls. And when you can determine which side of the middle the howls are on, you just draw a line right down the middle of that area. Then you move into that half and do it again. And when you can figure out which half the howls are coming from, you divide that in half. The analogy is that's how you troubleshoot. Look at all the possibilities that could cause this problem and then start eliminating them one at a time. Right. Kevin, what you just described is what we've been doing for years with the comparing the difference in your turbo boost gauge and your exhaust gas temperature gauge. Yes, because exactly. It lets us know 50%. Do we have a fuel issue or do we have an air issue? Yep. And those two gauges let us know that you but, know when you know it goes back to algebra one did you have algebra one in high school uh bruce it's actually kind of funny i did and i'm actually really good at math um it's one of the things that comes fairly naturally to me i don't know if i was bored or what i actually got kicked out of algebra one and got put in business math instead <laughs> well because i had a phenomenal teacher in algebra one and it was always x equals and so whenever we started building big cam, high horsepower big cams, it was X equals this and X. But the word that always stuck with me, we have to have a known. Yes. And yep. if you want to find the X, you have to have a known. And so whenever you call, people call here with a problem, we have to have some knowns. Well, think about one yep. of the hardest problems on a truck to figure out many times. We kind of joke about it on this show. I joke about it on rolling toe. We don't want to take vibration calls. They're always really hard to troubleshoot. How do you figure out where this thing's coming from? But what we do, we ask, when does it happen? When doesn't it happen? That, that's like the first step. And then from there, you just start eliminating the possibilities. And if you don't have, I mean, it's hard enough to find them when you do have a good framework and a system for doing this. If you don't have one, no wonder why most shops can't find half this stuff. So I'm going to go, I'm going to get off this headset and I'm going back and find out more about this water filter. I'll be back. Okay, good. 
All right. Uh, so, Pete, Kevin, also, go ahead. Yep. On troubleshooting, you know, sometimes we will find the problem by finding what it's not. So let's throw out the simple stuff. So, you know, power problem. Okay, let's check for a boost leak. Okay, well, there's no boost leak. Let's check the air filter. It's clean. That's not it. And that's sometimes a cost-effective way of going about troubleshooting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And if you're, you again, know, if you're good at this and you have experience with it and you really care about your customers, you try the least expensive stuff first. Let's eliminate something we can eliminate in just a couple minutes so we don't have to charge them an hour to figure out that this wasn't it. And then you move on to the next thing and you just keep doing that. Isn't this the way we've always been told that Edison invented the light bulb? He figured out 999 ways not to make a light bulb first. Yeah. Yeah. And we always try it. And this is something that this goes back to when, you know, 30 when things were simple, you know, uh, but let's take time and find the problem. You yeah. know, it's going to miss. Okay. Let's see what it is. Don't just throw a set of injectors in it. Don't just throw a camshaft in it. Let's find what it is first. We've always pretty much done that here. We'll take a little bit more time trying to find the problem so we don't put a set of injectors in when it doesn't need a set of injectors. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, those two heat shops went to both the most expensive way to fix the problem. You know, the one-box code, you do a one-box and sensors, harness, that fixes that no matter what was wrong with it. And it covers them because they're just like, well, we replaced everything. I don't know why it's not working. We replaced everything. It must be a bad one box. <laughs> right. Wait, please wait six more months. Yeah. And just priced a one box up for one of our customers. He was here Friday and he said, well, see how soon you can get one. So I call our local dealer and they won't even give us a date. The one boxes for Detroit is simply unavailable. Was, was what I was told. Wow. We don't even have a time frame on them. So again, this is where it comes into, let's take care of what we have, um, keep the overhead set, check for boost leaks, run the max mileage. All this will reduce the amount of work you're putting on the, the after treatment. Yeah, good point. Good point. We really have to make last this stuff last. Not because just because it's so expensive it is, but now we're actually looking at trucks might be down because of this. Mm-hmm. And this is 2015, so it's not like it's an old truck where, right. okay, hey, the truck's 25 years old. That's why we can't get parts. Right. Yeah. And this is the time frame of these vehicles where they're going to need work. And they're, they're seven-year-old vehicles. They're going to start needing some stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And if we can't get the parts, we're going to be screwed. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Yep. Uh, Pete, you have and anything else? One last, last thing. One real quick one is uh, the TA is now starting to carry the max mileage catalyst. So the uh, White Trucks um, Center in Virginia was the first one to carry it. And now we've got, I think, six more. So this will be on our website, uh, who, which TAs now have our catalyst. Excellent. Good it's to a lot, know. a lot easier for the guys to get then. Yeah, good to know. All right. Uh, Leroy, what's on your mind today? Oh, well, just to carry on with the theme of DDs, I guess I'll talk about DDs as well. Um, so last at the end of the last show, we talked about CPCs uh, getting stolen and how there's a shortage and you can't get them. 
Um, so there was a guy that actually came in the shop a couple of days ago with what we determined is a bad CPC. So we took it out of the truck. I put it on the bench. I have a bench harness for one and I have a good used one. It's not for sale. It's a good used one <laughs> that I use for testing and I can hook up to it and it connects and there's, you know, so there's nothing truck wise, no wiring. It's just on a bench harness. It connects. I plug his in. It doesn't connect. So I was like, well, unfortunately it looks like you got a bad CPC. Um, and he's like, well, I saw this guy on YouTube that, uh, has a machine that can fix them. He's like, I'd like you to look at the, the video. Okay. okay, well, let's look at it. So this guy has a, a BGA rework station, which just means ball grid array. Uh, so the bottom of the like big processor chips on the CPC, they have a bunch of like 250 or 300 little balls of solder on the bottom. And those melt to the, the board. That's how you get them you know, to make contact and stick. Old ones used to go through the board and be soldered on the bottom. If you ever seen an old circuit board, well, these ones are surface mount, so the balls just melt and they just kind of stick to the top. Well, they're having some sort of issue on these CPCs where either those like little solder joints are cracking, or you have some sort of connection under there is broken. So what this rework station does is you can put the CPC board in there, like basically reheat it enough to pull it release all the solder joints, pull it back up off. Then the guy has like a, like a squeegee, like a screen printing thing for um, like, if, like on a t-shirt, you know what I mean? Where you yeah. put the ink down and yep. you kind of squeegee it over. Uh-huh. So it's basically the same thing, but it's a pattern at the bottom of that chip. He cleans up the board and then puts it back down on top and the rework station resolders all those joints. And this guy has actually brought a few CPCs back to life. And we have the one in the shop we sent down to him. And I'm really curious when he gets it back, if uh, it's going to work afterwards. Wow. Now, isn't this the module that keeps yeah. getting stolen? Yeah. Yeah, that's the, uh, yeah. the CPC. That's the one that keeps getting stolen. So if there's an ability to fix it, I mean, I've seen this machine before. They're, they're pretty expensive. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, I've seen people. There's a bunch of videos on X. Box, like on YouTube, that that's how like you had to fix the old Xboxes, have a reflow the chips and stuff like that. And it's the same process, I guess, on the CPC. That's what's really going bad is it just needs the the processor chip reflowed. Well, if if that's the case and they can actually fix this and they're being stolen everywhere because we can't get them, this is a pretty big deal to be able to fix them. That, that's what I was going to say. It's a really big deal. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's like somebody bankrupt versus actually being able to go back out on the road yeah so. absolutely that's uh so yeah keep definitely keep us updated on this um the youtube video is by like gentry and sons or something like that it's like called like saving cpcs or something if jordan can find the video he could post it but uh yeah the big shout out to the guy that's in the shop i can't remember his name i think his name's winston but uh yeah, he showed me the video, and I was like, that's huge for a lot of people. If, you know, there's somebody out there that's fixing them. I heard of a place overseas that does it, but there's somebody in Tennessee that does. So. Huh. Um, I did a quick YouTube search on saving CPCs, and I'm not finding it at all. Yeah. 
Uh, I'll either post it on Trucking Drive or I'll send it to you. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and do that, and I'll I'll get it put up if I can when I get it. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I found it by putting in the word gentry. Yeah, I think it's called. Yep, I found it. Freightliners CPC is putting people, people out of business. Yep. And you had, you'd see it. I yeah, he's doing a circuit board repair there, and uh, I found it. I'm gonna get this. Uh, it looks promising, like so. Yeah, I'll um, I'll get this up and get it posted. Uh, anything else? No, that was just all that I had, just to continue with the the DD thing today. So, got it. All right, is Bruce back yet? Yeah, he is back. Our mechanic, and this guy's a great mechanic. You were muted. Oh, I was muted. Um, our mechanic, and um, he's been with us for about a year now. He's a great guy, older fellow. They do he and his son do truck pulling and pickup truck pulling, but a sharp guy, welder, fabricator, great mechanic. He thinks it was a cross contamination of different coolants. Really. Wow. I think that somebody sabotaged this truck and put oil into the guy's radiator. Intra- you know, I know mixing some of those coolants can lead to some nasty results, but man, that's really bad. Well, doesn't the stop leak look like that, too? I, yeah, I was almost going to say this, this looks yeah. more like somebody put some sort of a leak. Actually, it looks like we got a bunch of oil in there, but I don't really think that's what it is. That would be so obvious. Right. Huh. No definite answer on that one. All right. Well, let's, uh, I think that'll cover what we've got today. Let's get to some phone calls. If you want to join us, Jump in and dial right now, 855-950-3835. We're going to get started in Arizona. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Good to hear um, there's still businesses out there that make it an honest buck. Well, I hear all the horror stories from the dealerships and ripping these guys off like that. It's just scary. Um, I'm, I'm interested in the uh, MX-13 uh ECM updates you guys are doing out here. I had mine in to get it done, and they had some problems connecting. You guys had some problems connecting a few months ago, and I'm getting ready to pull the trigger on it again with the driver services thing you have out here. Um, before I do it again, before I, I get my courage up to get that done again, can you go over the benefits of having that done? Uh, what year was your MX again? 2016, the 500 horse model. Yeah, I think I remember this truck because yeah. at the time you had version I software and the tooling that we have wouldn't version I, it would only connect to H. In the month afterwards, they we the tooling part of the company they fixed they fixed the issue so we can connect to I software, but. Um, yeah, as far as the MX tune and the benefits and whatnot, it's similar to all the other engines that we do. Uh, you know, of course, more power, uh, horsepower and torque, uh, generally better fuel mileage. I haven't got too many, uh, you know, I don't, I haven't got a lot of feedback as far as how much better or same or 
because I haven't done too many pack cars, but, um, you know, it's just something I was trying to grow, but, uh, you know, better drivability, just, yeah, things like that. Is it justified, uh, the X amount of dollars I'm going to put in? Am I going to be able to justify that down the line? Absolutely. You know, just the drivability, the habit. So as you push on the throttle, the truck responds and picks up and goes. That's the biggest so how, thing. How much gain in, in miles? By, I mean, I, I've been doing this a day or two, and I've, I'm pretty easy. The stock one, I'm right around 7.3, 7.4 monthly. Am I going to see eight out of it to justify the... The, the increase in the, the price of getting that done. What did you say you're getting right now? Seven, uh, about seven, seven three, seven, three, seven four. Yeah, I want to get eight. Yeah. I don't think the tune's going to push you up that far. The, the MX is tuned pretty well. Uh, there's not a whole lot more to squeeze out of them. So. Okay. Um, running wow. mileage cap. Yeah, I am. And a matter of fact, I'm out right now. And I heard you said you could get it to TA, but I don't know about on the west side here. But uh, this will be the first time that I'm going to fuel without the max mileage since I've had the truck for two years. So uh, I'm uh, hopefully, hopefully, I don't feel a big difference in missing a dosage once, you know, once in two years. I think. I'll Where are you right case. now? Uh, in Needless, California. I, I think the tuna pie give you like a quarter, so you'd probably be up around. Seven five seven six afterwards, but yeah, eight eight's a long way away. So. We have a lot of dealers. You say needless, or did you? Say yeah, needless. needless. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, needle, <laughs> needless, same thing. Yeah, <laughs> where, where we used to get our radiators filled at. <laughs> All right, so we we have Zuzu Bakersfield C E R E S. Sierras, Coulterville, Escalon. Yeah, Asperia, the, oh, Hughes, getting close. Madera, I'm getting close. Barstow, looking for Barstow. But uh, Vista, those are the. Okay. Hey, Mark. Do you hear any one of those? We can give a yeah. gavel stop to you. Do you, do you know what Needles is famous for? Oh. No? Needles has horrible phone service. Yeah, I'll bet. Does anybody on the line know what Needles, California, is famous for? Filling your radiator, not drugs, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I, I think I'm right on this. The cartoon strip Snoopy, Snoopy has a cousin, Spike, yeah. and he lives in Needles, California. Just another you guys piece using of the same trivia. <laughs> Are you hey, still I've using the same for, for tuners in Phoenix? Yeah. The yeah. same tuner guy? Yeah, okay. All right. Hey, I mean, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Dr. Jane Gates has been working on an additive to go with the max mileage catalyst that is strictly for fuel mileage. The catalyst, its main purpose is to burn soot carbon. The new additive will, is made strictly for fuel mileage. 
Bruce Luke was actually uh, one of her test units of 2013 ISX. And he was actually mixing in a little bit strong, but he went up 1.6 mile per gallon. If we bring this out, a bunch. So if you, if we cut that in half, even if, Yes. Yeah, I, I was just going to say I, I we need to see some more testing on that because I'd be the first one to call bullshit on an additive increasing over a mile per gallon. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Now keep I, in mind, this was the very first guy to use yeah. the max mileage, and he was between eight and $12,000 a year on maintenance. But I, I think that's what it was. He went up one. 1.6. Now, like I said, he was over-treating it. He, he had the mixture wrong. But if we bring this out and we put it in and we redo the formula for the max mileage, 50% of it is going to be to increase the fuel mileage. So if we put it in the gallon, that means it's going to take two ounces per mile. Versus, I'm sorry, two ounces per 25 gallon versus one ounce. Or should we put it in a separate container and you put the one ounce, the 25 gallon of the catalyst and one ounce of 25 gallons of the mileage improver? My vote would, would be prefer so far. I have my 50, yeah, I would I have, have both. my 50, 50 of it. Yeah. My vote would be I would have it available both ways. That's not a bad idea either, having it both ways. My, If you're only going to do it yeah, one way, absolutely. my guess or my vote would be keep them separate because we do know there are some trucks that do okay without the catalyst. Not a lot of them, but if they're spec'd right, they're driven right, mm. we're not having problems. So then I would want to be able to buy just the fuel mileage improver. If we – one of the things – and I may reach out to uh, – uh, Jane, myself, and ask her a couple questions. And I'll let people know she is on truckingtribe.com now. Um, she joined this week, so she's available. If you have any questions about any of this stuff, you can reach out to her on truckingtribe.com. And for both sites, a lot of people don't know this. If you're posting something or if you're responding to something, another post, if you type the at symbol and then start typing somebody's name a list will come up you choose their name from the list as long as they're a member of the site their name will be there and then that tags them so they get a notification that you've tagged them or you're asking them a question so uh, if you have a question for um, jane you can reach out to her on truckingtribe.com my question would be what is the What's the mechanism of this fuel mileage improver? What is it doing to the fuel that improves my fuel mileage? And the reason I ask it is, honestly, I haven't found a single additive ever that does that. All we were playing with this a couple of years ago, and fuel was cheap and it was working, but we uh, fuel was $2 and $2.20 a gallon, so we didn't go any further. And... Uh, Again, uh, we got a phone call from Bruce Luke and a couple other people that we were using to test it. And they said, uh, you know, that product you had two years ago really worked. We'd like to have it back. And so we're in a thinking stage right now. Got it. 
All right. Well, uh, I'll be interested in seeing some results. That's for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, Where are we on this? Um, Mark, do you have anything else? No, you guys did really great. Um, I'll see if I can get that trigger pulled on that. And uh, just on the health side, my wife was suffering from a lot of headaches and I took her to the emergency room and the emergency room doctor said it was uh, domestic, <laughs> domestic problems. We we're having marriage problems. Um, and I convinced him, yeah, I convinced him to do a CT scan and, um, it wasn't a domestic problem and she's got a malignant brain tumor and, uh, the doctor was in pretty much shock, but, um, question the doctors out there, questions, the mechanics, um, you know, just uh, there's a lot of mistakes made in around right now. And it's just, some of it could be really tragic and put these guys out of business by buying one boxes when they're, you know, DEF filter plugs or something. It's just, it's scary. And I, I don't see how these guys are making it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, Mark, certainly I'm sorry to hear about what's going on, but, you know, it's bad enough when we have this horrible troubleshooting model with our trucks that could certainly cost us a lot of money or put us out of business. But when doctors are that bad, here's here's the thing. I'm not a doctor. I work with a lot of people Mm -hmm. around their health. And we work with all kinds of symptoms and, you know, different conditions. And I've worked with an awful lot of people that have headaches. And I've worked with an awful lot of people who have stress in their life, whether it's a bad relationship or whatever. There is almost zero correlation between the two. I can't think of a single case where somebody was having headaches caused by stress. We have all kinds of things that stress causes. No doubt. Stress is really bad for our health. Headaches does not make that list. Headaches, you should never think stress first. There's about 30 other things he should have been looking for first. Yeah, it was, uh, it was three or four months. I was going back and forth and then with a regular general doctor. I, I know it's, it's, medical, it's not medical day, but just, you know, it's, it's scary. it was just a scary thing. And it was, yeah. you know, it's going to be a, a long, hard road for her to to go, you know, her behavior changed immediately, you know, at first, you know, I seen the behavior change, the emotional change, and I kept going to the doctor with her, and then finally, the doctor says, I'm going to have to take her to the emergency room, and her regular doctor said, well, what's the emergency room different than I am? I said, I don't know, but I need to do something, and, you know, I just, it was, I just keep on trucking until the money's all gone, I guess, but, um, yeah, thanks for listening to me, guys. Um, I'm going to check out that that mod for the MX when I uh, – I got, we got lots of things going on in my life right now, but we were in the middle of doing that when my wife got sick. So I'm going to see if we can get, get to that now and uh, check out the – I think I remember their names over in Arizona and get that done. But, you know, just question, like you've always said, Kevin, check, question why. Yeah. You know, and um, that doc, the look on that doctor's face when – that CT scan came back and there's a big mass in the front of her frontal lobe, you know, it's just like, I'm looking at him like, you know, what the heck, that, you know, and that, it's medical, you know, that that's, that's almost criminal. I thought so. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. That, that's just yeah. awful. That, that's just awful. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry you had to go through that. 
Yeah, she's on the road to recovery now, good, so it was, good. you know, 80% was removed, and then the rest will be with, you know, what whatever whatever they've got to throw at it, and right. she's, her spirits are, she's a, she's a tough old broad, so she'll be okay. Good. All right. Good. Take all care, right. guys. You answered all my questions. I hope you guys keep up the good work, and if you find any more honest, honest businesses out there that are out to make an honest buck, doing it the right way, I'm all for it, you know, and I look all the time for ones and I just, uh, God, I just, I, the horror stories you guys just told me about what these, de- I've, I've had problems with dealers too, you know, I, I try to stay away from the best I can unless it's a slam dunk, but you take stuff in there to the dealer for a slam dunk and it, it's gonna, still going to be down four days, you know, I was down four days for uh, an air conditioning line, you know, and then they didn't tighten it up when I pulled out and I made it to Blythe and I was hot again, I'm just going... <sighs> Come on, guys. Let's do something right. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, I, 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 I took a, go ahead. Want me to give you three dealerships right now that are good, honest people? In the uh, Southwest? Uh, Minnesota. Clearwater, <laughs> Peterbilt in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, Rush, Peterbilt in Greeley, Colorado. Charlie Jones is a general manager, a great friend of mine, really sharp mechanical guy. Yeah. And Sioux City, Iowa, Harlan at Sioux City, Iowa, yeah. Pete. Yeah. Yeah. As, They're out there. Oh, They're and still also there. So we about Doc Holiday at Border International in Las Cruces, New yeah. Mexico. Yeah. That's close to, to me. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they are out there. It's just, um, it's, it, it, it's a crapshoot to taking these trucks in anywhere anymore. It's just, it's scary. Uh, and how to, how a single truck owner operator is going to make a buck. It's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough right now. You got to be top on top of every issue that you have. Yeah, I I agree. And you have to do a lot of your own maintenance that you can do. Everything are you holding hot? (laughs) I got lazy and I got lazy since doing this since the seventies. And I just, uh, crawling around just kills me anymore. One little cut and I bleed to death. You know, it just, you know, it's just ridiculous. Are you, are you, are you as old as me? Um, no, I don't, I don't know how old you are, but, uh, 73. Oh, I wish I was that old, but I'll probably never make that. But congratulations. You made it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never get that old work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You did, did, you did my own work. Yeah, and that was, that was a, that's a hard living too. What you guys do, man, it's, it's hard working our trucks. It's not easy, you know. You ain't going through selecting gears all the time, but I used to rotate my own tires. And I did. I used those, to. <laughs> the tires on the thirty five hundred Ram get pretty heavy now. So for forty dollars, we'll rotate the tires yeah. and they'll balance them. So I pay forty dollars, I get them balanced and rotated. There you go. Forty forty dollars. Hey Mark, we're going to cut you loose. Phone calls are starting to build up. Uh, we've got to get to these calls coming up at uh, oh, in just about thirty minutes, we'll be starting an episode of the pit as well. We're going to get to all of our calls here today, so we'll keep going till then. We're going to head off to Virginia. Charlie, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I got two questions. First one is with the starter on my truck. 
I put a new starter on because the other one, when he turned the key, it wouldn't start. Wouldn't do anything. For about a day, the new starter works fine. Now it's back to doing the same thing. You turn the key over to start, it don't do anything. But you take the screwdriver out. Now this is a 60 series 14 liter. And you take the, put the screwdriver on the little solenoid on the top, the post out to the frame of the truck, bring it down to the hot wire on the starter, she fires over and starts. Would, would that be a starter or would it be one of the solenoids is possibly bad? So when you hit the key and it doesn't do anything, it doesn't try to crank. Does the solenoid click? What does it do? It does nothing. It's like it's no power going from the switch to any of the solenoids, which I got the one on the firewall and two on the starter. Have you used a multimeter or a test light uh, on the, um, the key wire to the starter to see if you have voltage there? No, if I haven't can, because I'm listening. Oh, I was going to say, I haven't all from the big lead to the small one, then the truck starts, then that means you're not getting 12 volts from the small wire. So you must like either, you must likely either have a wiring issue or that starter solenoid up on your firewall is not working. Okay, now I would have to have someone turn the key to the start position to see if I'm getting power, correct? It would take two people yeah, to do that? Okay. Now, my second question, I just did an oil sample, and no, I didn't send it in. I'll probably send it in next week. They flagged my fuel dilution as 2.9, but the truck's been doing a lot of idling, because of the starting issues that I'm having, so I've been letting that idle. Would that cause the fuel dilution to be higher with the truck doing a lot of idling? That's not getting a clean burn? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay, because everything else, my oxidation came down. My iron's only at 28, which is shocking me because I faithfully use the catalyst every time I fill the truck with fuel and my lead from the April sample till the June sample really dropped. My lead's at like 10. So I'm thinking when I got that first set of oil out there a lot of the fighting from cleaning up the crank finally got out of there. But I'll send the sample in next week I'll try to remember to do it on Tuesday so we can actually look at the sample. But I was concerned about my fuel dilution. And because uh, I know it gets so high and we can blow a pan off the bottom of one of these. But I'll I'll check that with uh I'll check that with the solenoid. It could be the solenoid on my firewall is not right. Uh, yeah, so I'll check to make sure. Well, the other thing it could be is your key switch too. I mean, there's three pieces of the puzzle. It's you know, it's you know, you have to have voltage to the key switch, and then you have to have 
the key switch actually works to send voltage to the solenoid, and then you have to have voltage from the solenoid that goes down to the star solenoid. So it can be either one of those things or multiple. So you kind of have to start okay. with the battery and work through the key switch to the solenoid, kind of just follow like the path of where the electricity goes, and you'll find your problem. I I appreciate that, and I appreciate everything you all do for us. All right. Yeah. Thanks uh-huh. for the call. Let's head off to Minnesota. We have some lines open, and we have some time left, so if you jump in now with the call, we will take them. 855-950-3835. Let's go to Minnesota. Brad, welcome to the program. Good morning, gentlemen. I have an oil sample I'd like to review with you guys. All right. I think I've got it here in front of me. Uh, is this a 97-3406? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, it's a 15,000-mile oil sample after uh, last fall I had gotten into an accident, flipped it on its side, and wanted to make sure the bearings were still in good shape. What I can tell, the oil sample looks good. Oil sample actually looks really good. Um, how many miles are on? Eight, do you have 830-some thousand miles on this thing? Yes. Wow. Looks really good. This is a really good oil sample uh, the- for an engine that is now, what, 25 years old? And it's been rebuilt, and it's got 800 and some thousand miles on it. This oil sample looks excellent. Yeah, the block's got 2.2 million miles on it. Wow. Yeah, this thing's been taken care of well, and somebody did a nice job rebuilding it. The fuel dilution, I know that seems a little high, but at the same time, it's not really a concern because uh, you said anything over four. Yeah. Yeah, 2.3, we see that on trucks that have virtually no fuel dilution at all. Your viscosity is right where it should be. So um, I, I can't even believe how well the base holds up on this engine. Now, your base is still at almost 8. Yeah, I do use a little more oil than I'd like every five to 7,000 miles. I go through a gallon. Yeah, you know, at 800 and some thousand miles on a block with 2.2 million, that's not horrible. And that's part of what's helping keep your oil really clean, too, because we're putting in a little more makeup oil than normal. But um, I, I'd say you don't have anything to complain about with this one. Good to hear. Oh, thanks for your help. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yeah, it's a. Uh oh. Oh no, I just um, I just hung up on the team from Pittsburgh Power. Um, sorry, guys, can you call back in? Um, rookie mistake there. Um, I just hit the wrong button, so we'll uh, we'll give them a minute or so to dial back in here. Uh, they have to reconnect the board to our system. So I will, um, the call's coming in already, so I'll go ahead and jump in and get started on this call. We're going to head off to 
Okay, here's the call I was trying to drop. We'll get rid of that one. All right, Pittsburgh Power, team's back already. Great job. And we're going to Texas this time. Tim, welcome. Hello. So I have a question about um, injectors on a D13. Um, I had to, I put a first, uh, I don't know, I think it's the second set the truck ever had was about 240,000 miles ago. And since then, I've put in, uh, three more sets and just recently. So I'm getting almost 40 or 50,000 average per set of injectors from the dealer. Do you have any idea why that is? They don't even have an answer. What's happening to the injectors? Has anybody determined what's wrong with them? What's failing? Well, no. Um, I can tell you I had uh, hard starts every single time. Is it wow. injector like, like that, a hard start? Any other symptoms? Did anybody do oil samples? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any fuel dilution or anything, but every where, time I go to the dealer, they tell me that they have to be replaced. Where, where so was I? I hold, haven't had hold, to actually pay for any of them, but hold on a second. You are paying for them because I can't yeah. imagine they get this done no. in two hours when you don't need the truck. The truck's been down. No, okay, you're right. I am yeah, the, the yeah. hassle of it all, the time, the lost revenue. But yep. what, was the, what was the soot on the oil sample? Um, it, I, I know it was low, but I don't remember the number on it. Okay. I, I just know that uh, it was like I did an oil sa- I got an oil sample like three weeks before I even had this. Pro- the reason I even read it, brought it the last time to the dealer was because I thought I had the oil changed. And I did the oil sample at the time. And at any rate, when uh, after that, a little bit after that, it seemed like I was getting hard starts. And so I went to the dealer just to have air conditioning service fixed. And I said, can you just check my filters? You know, and they're like, they did. And then they said they had to do the whole thing. And they found out that it was actually injectors. So, um, well, yeah, wait. that's that's what happened. Yeah, let, let's stick with this mm-hmm. for a second because I'm not sure that this is injectors. Okay. Pete, you look at a lot of oil samples and then you get to see what's really wrong. Can you think of a case where you had bad injectors and you couldn't see it in the oil sample? The only time we run into that is a low power complaint. Right. And we die on the truck and it's low on torque. Um, would we? Have, and there's no misfire, no smoke. But generally that's a set of injections with a lot of miles on them as well. Yeah, almost. I'm trying to think back. I can almost always see an injector problem in the oil sample, and it usually is either high fuel dilution, high soot, or both. Um, What are the other... What what engine and what year? It's a 13, uh, D13 Volvo. About 875,000 miles on it. And then so, the, the one guy there was saying that maybe they have to pull the head and find out what's going on. And I don't know if that's true or not. But. Why would you pull a head to see what's going on with injectors? Well, that's what I, I no, I agree with that. Yeah. I don't, I kept, I, I you know, I'm just at with them. I went to the same place four times, you know, but they Go just to a don't know place. why. They don't know why. <laughs> Go to a different okay. place. Boy, talk about so, lousy I, I, troubleshooting I, and costing somebody a lot of money. Pulling the head right now would be completely yeah. ignorant. Yep. 
than I thought. I don't know what pulling the head would do to... They, they, they think... That, well, actually, one guy told me, he said that it could be a problem with the head, which is causing the cuffs not to seat properly. That's what his answer was. That's right. I remember that. So if an injector cup's not seating, you should have coolant running in on top of the piston. Yeah. Yeah, none of that. There's none. And they did their own fuel sam- uh, oil sample, too. So, yeah, there was nothing. They didn't have anything. So they just don't know why. So, yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe that's the only thing is to go somewhere else because the dealer doesn't where, know how to fix their own stuff. Where so, do you live? O- Oklahoma City. Well, stop by and see Harlan. Up at Sioux City, Iowa. Hmm. Okay. Tell him I said hi. What, uh, what shop is that? It's H-A-R-L-A-N. All right. Hey, Tim, are you a member on Trucking Tribe? Yes. Yes, I am. Um, do you know how to tag somebody? Uh, no, but I can figure it out, I think. I, yeah, I, I, think I, I think you just do a post and you do an app symbol or something. Yep. Or bound or, yep, when you're oh, typing yeah. either in the post or in a response, just hit the at symbol and it brings up a list and then you start typing their name and it narrows it down and then you choose them and they get notified. If you would reach out to Joel okay. on this one because it's a Volvo, okay. I'm wondering, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure that's the year that has the issue with the exhaust plungers. And I'm wondering okay. if that could cause hard starting. That if your hard starting issue just isn't injectors at all, it's something else. Okay. If he's Let listening, I know he'll, he'll reach out to me and he'll, he'll text me. But uh, I normally, if he hears a call like this, he usually jumps right in. But if you tag him on there, he'll probably... The other thing he'll be able to do for you is tell you where your best shops are going to be on a Volvo. Okay. Is it just Joel? J-O-E-L or what, yeah. what, uh, what the at what? Yeah, put okay, at, at and then start okay. typing Joel, and you'll see it. It's Joel Morrow. Hey, oh, I'm, Morrow. I thought this was an MX-13 pack car. No. Okay. No. Uh, so don't go see Harlan. I thought All right. Harlan Peterbilt. <laughs> Jeez. If you go in there with a Volvo, he'll wonder what, what is Bruce doing? <laughs> <laughs> he said you, Bruce said you'd fix yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, forget yeah. that one. Now, I, I have All a right, feeling... Well, there, I'll, I'll try that. I have a feeling there's going to be a better answer on why this thing is hard starting and it's not going to be the injectors. Okay. Okay. Well, it doesn't make any sense, and I don't understand why the dealer wouldn't know. They don't have answers to their own product. I, don't, I just don't understand that. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you know. why. I'll tell you why. Because the Volvo dealers tell me they can't get technical help from Sweden. That's the problem I have with foreign engines. So, and I'll leave it at that. So they're installing the new injectors wrong. Yeah, that's four times. Very yeah. specific about the cups. If you don't have the right tool, and if you don't do a right, or you put new injectors in on that uh, with like the, they upgraded the injector cups from copper to stainless. And if mm-hmm. they're already pitted, and you put them back in, then five and six months later, you're doing them all over again. It's more. Yeah, like, that's. The root of the issue is like, yeah, the root of the issue is they're not being put in properly. You know, I almost like feel, that's a pretty common thing. I don't even work on Volvos and I've read all about those online. Would um, like it's, uh, people all over forums talk about this. Would, would injector cups cause hard starting? 
Yeah, because so what happens is the uh, combustion gas pushes past the uh, injector into the fuel line and causes air in the fuel. Okay. Yep, that's right. That's what's happening. Yeah. So and it's, it's weird because uh, it seems like it just starts all of a sudden. It just, there's no warning. It just did it. I thought it was fuel filters. You know, no, if, you, if you don't fine. put the fuel filter on right, you'll get the air in there too. So, right. I've had yeah. that happen. The whole injector with the bolt and the whole down thing, like the whole design of the injector is really bad. And uh, yeah. it's just like they, they have this tiny little bolt that's just supposed to hold the injector in. And it's just like why you can't add really power to some of the older ones or a whole lot. Cause it has a tiny little bolt that holds the injector in and like then you push the injectors back up, you get air in the fuel, you're doing injector cups again. Yeah. And there's 400 PSI of compression in a, um, or I'm sorry, in a 14 to one compression ratio. So these things are probably 17, 18 or 20 to one. God only knows what the compression ratio is in there. Probably 17 and a half, 18 pushing against that injector. Yeah, so I would I would take it somewhere else. Make sure I've I have heard upgraded injector cups, like I said, from copper to stainless. I have heard of that, and I have heard of a new injector design that goes along with the stainless cups. Make sure they have the right tooling. Make sure that when they take it out, things are clean. That they actually inspect. Make sure there's no pitting on the injector itself or the walls. Just make sure everything. It's like putting an engine together. You have to look at yeah, what you're doing because yeah. if it's you know, like you guys can talk about it. You have an issue with a block and you just keep putting liners in it. It's not a bad liner. It's, you know, the underlying block. So, you know, and the, and the reason I believe that it's probably not done correctly. When I went to pick up my truck and I, you know, paid the balance I had and I went out, got my truck, started up, warmed it up. I thought, well, I'm going to look under the hood. There wasn't any coolant in there. And I'm like, well, if you can't even put the coolant back in. Oh boy. Good grief. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. You know, that's, Exactly. So, yeah. but all right. Well, I think I think we've maybe mostly figured it out. But I will definitely uh, send a message to Joel and see what he says. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah, he'll uh, he'll either have some ideas that you can look for, or at least have another good shop to take it to. Let's go to Kentucky, Philip. Welcome to the program. Hey guys, I have a question about getting a DD fifteen tuned. It's a 2017 Freightliner with the DD-15 and set at 505 horsepower and 1650 torque. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I was I was actually in there in January and there was some bugs that had to be worked out of the tune, I guess, and uh, I'm just wondering where you guys stand on that. Is it, is yeah, it ready was, to go? Can, I remember your voice. Can we talk truck? All right, good deal. Remember? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Since then, we have had the uh, EGR high flow issue uh, solved, so I don't have that problem okay. anymore. Okay. What about the death consumption issue? I uh, haven't made much progress on that. Uh, I've kind of been happy okay. where they've been recently. So. Right. Right. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. I guess that. I guess that's all I have. Uh, you guys have a great day. All right. Thanks yeah. for the call. Well, Let's go to Idaho this time. Mark, welcome to the program. Morning, guys. How you doing? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, um, I got a 2016 Kenworth. It's got an ISX in it, and it's uh, got a factory Cummins tune. It was 550, 1850, and uh, it's now 
um, uh, 600, 50 and I'm just at my 500,000 and I was going to do my 500,000, um, service. And part of that was changing my damper, but you guys are sold out of your standard damper and your serve duty one. And my question with that is, is, um, when I do my, thank you. Uh, when I do my, um, my 500,000, uh, service, I was going to, uh, all you guys have a tune put in it, which is going to bump me over that 600 mark by a substantial amount, probably. Um, and I'm not sure which, uh, I'm sure people put tunes in, on standard new balancers all the time, but I just, I, um, I'm not sure which one to go with. And plus you guys are sold out of both. You've been sold out of the standard ISX one for quite some time. Uh, so I'm the, the manufacturer had problems getting steel, right? Yep. Sourcing the materials. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anytime we had any time frame. Go ahead. No, we don't. Unfortunately, we don't have any time frame when we'll get them. You know, as far as Maybe this which year? damper to go with, um, generally, you can't go wrong with the severe duty one. Even at stock horsepower, you know, Cummins um, worked on this because they were having problems in uh, Australia with the heavy loads and heat. That's why this came out, the severe duty. So being that you're going to have more than stock horsepower, I'd definitely go with that. And... So if you, if you want, you can check on our website uh, or give us a call and see, you know, in a couple of weeks if they, if they come in or not. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do check regularly and the serve duty one was not sold out, but it is now. So I kind of, uh, um, now I'm just going to wait, you know, to see, but I just wanted to make sure, uh, cause I know with the serve duty one, you cannot put a, uh, balancer on it because it's too big, right? You can only do the damper. That is correct. There's clearance issues. So you cannot run a, the mercury filled balancer with the severe duty damper. But, uh, the duty one is, would balance just as well as the standard with the mercury filled addition to it. Well, so <laughs> The mercury filled balancer is doing one thing is going to help balance the engine. The, the damper is taking out the torsional vibration. So would it be smoother with the stock damper and balancer? Probably yes. But the severe duty can handle the extra torsional um, vibration because of the higher horsepower and torque. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, it's been on my mind and the decision to which one to get. And uh, even though it says right on there for, for anything over 600 horsepower, but, um, I just wanted to confirm, I don't want to just randomly order parts and, uh, want to do the right thing as best I can. But, uh, and you guys wait for the severe duty, the what 
be patient and wait for it. Wait for the severe duty. Yes. Okay. Well, um, that's about it, guys. I just wanted to confirm on that. That way I know exactly what to order. I appreciate your time and uh, all your knowledge and willing to share it. So, You're welcome. Thanks, thanks for the call. Let's go to this going to be our final call for the day. We're going to go to Kansas. Bob, welcome to the program. Yeah, I just had a quick question. I just never heard it discussed, but uh, why why did the twelve seven Detroit? Why does that oil get so dirty and nothing flagged in my oil sample? But like on a cat, it looks like a C fifteen cat. It looks perfectly clean, and it'll have stuff flagged on on its uh, oil samples. And I was just curious, what why do Detroit have such dirty oil? And I'm just curious about that. It's one of the mysteries. It's one of the mysteries of the world. I've been asking this forever, and I don't get it. You can look at oil samples. The oil samples are absolutely clean. There's nothing in there. But just like you said, I've seen cats with 10,000 miles on them. The oil looks like you just poured it out of the bottle on the stick. In a Detroit, you change the oil, fire it up, and you pull the stick out, and it's dirty. I, I've been asking that question yeah. for, for since the Series 60 came out. So it's the only thing with color, all the other stuff on there you can't see. So, Yeah, it's just it's on an oil Just weird. I it, There's nothing in there that ever shows up on an oil sample. No, that's all I got, guys. That was my question. So. Does, does anybody else have any thoughts on that? Like I said, we've been dealing with this for a couple decades. I'd like to try a couple things, and I would like to have one with the OPS on it. And also running the catalyst, and let's put on a, uh, a Harvard along with the OPS and see what happens. Uh, well, I can tell you two, two things there. Um, well, the catalyst, I don't know, because I haven't run the catalyst on a Series 60 and then changed the oil or done a sample to know it. Um, it keeps it. But I can tell you that uh, the type of oil doesn't matter and the type of filter doesn't matter. I, the Harvard was the very first filter I used, and the first engine I used it on was a Series 60, and I thought the same thing. I hope that my oil looks clean on the dipstick, and it never did. And I, with the Harvard, I, I did my first oil change with the Harvard filter at 250,000 miles. That was the well, wow. second oil change on that engine. I changed it right away new, put the Harvard on new within the first month I had that truck. Uh, this was a 95 Series 60. That would have been a, is that still a D-Deck 2? A 95 would be a 3. 3, okay. So I did the first oil change at 250,000 miles and it didn't need it. What happened was I took it to a new shop and I explained to them very, very clearly, don't change the oil on this truck. I showed them what filters to change and they changed the oil on the truck, even though it didn't need to be changed. But even with the Harvard, put change the oil, fire up the truck and it looks dirty on the stick. That must be fine enough that it's getting past the filters and not being able to be filtered out. Yeah, and, and what is it? It, it, if it's soot, why aren't we seeing high soot? In fact, it's the opposite. We tell people all the time on a Series 60, if you have it tuned right, your, your soot should be less than 0.1. 
And we see that a lot. And yet you look at the oil and it looks like it's dirty, like it's black, but it's not. And we know it's not. Yeah, I've seen that too. I no idea what that could be. Huh. I, I, not, and, and there's nothing breaking down the oil as well. No. Viscosity is fine. Right. Base is fine. Yeah. And and yet we it, the cat is, most of the older cats, I don't know about later on when they went to ACERT. Um, well, I guess I do know. My, my C13 ACERT, the oil stays pretty clean on the stick for quite a long time. I do know that. I have an A-cert. Um, cats always have seemed to, to be like that. And the common seems to be somewhere in the middle. I don't know about, you know, all the new engines. I haven't really... Uh, but it, it's always been that Detroit cat kind of comparison we've made forever, and nobody can explain it. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. We're going to wrap this up, and uh, we are going to take a... 15 minute break and we will come back and launch the pit at uh, 9:45 here on the west coast 12:45 on the east coast we will see you then thanks for joining us we'll also see you back here tomorrow for a big destination health day be safe be profitable be fit and healthy always do the hard work and master the journey